Alcohols with boughs of holly, fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly, fa la 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 la. Don we now our gay apparel, fa la 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 la. Hey, the old tide carol, fa la 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 la. Take it, Russ. Fa la 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 la. I'm in complete control. Around this egg timer. I think we're all in for a very big treat. <laughs> Save the neck for me, Clark. Okay, Eddie. or gifts or turkeys or trees. Well, does that look anything like your Christmas? Or who has that movie at home in their collection? I do. Got to watch that every year. Well, Christmas has a way, this time of year has a way of getting very chaotic very quickly. How many of you, now you have to tell the truth, you're in church. How many of you were up before daylight the day after Thanksgiving standing in line waiting for a great deal? Okay, the rest of you probably aren't telling the truth because I saw thousands of people out there when I was there. 
Christmas can get chaotic. All, all the things to buy, all the people to buy for, all the plans to make, all the parties to go to. You go to more parties in three weeks in December than you go to the rest of the year combined. You think, what is just the right gift to get her or him? And, and it just has a way of getting really chaotic. What family to go to first? How far to go? How many nights to stay away from home? And it's just chaos, chaos, chaos. And it lasts for about a month and then it's over. Is that, is that what Christmas is all about? We know that's not what it's all about. And yet, in our lives, every year about this time, for many of us, we live with chaos. The Christmas story is told in the New Testament in the book of Luke. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you want to know what Christmas really is all about, and I know you know it, but today we're going to read about it in Luke chapter 2. This is the night Jesus Christ was born, and all the people around Jesus' birth knew he was born, but the rest of the world didn't know, and, and God was getting ready to tell the whole world that the Messiah had come and had been born to the world in the form of a baby. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The angel gave them this message of joy about Jesus Christ coming to earth. These simple group, the simple group of shepherds living out in the country were the first people outside of that immediate area in the stable where Jesus was born that heard about the birth of Christ. Not only did they hear about it, the angel said, this is a message of joy. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. All the manuscripts of all the books were all in Greek. And the Greek word for joy is not just like, this will make everybody happy. This will make everybody smile. The Greek word for joy meant exuberance. It meant exaltation. It carried with it the meaning of so much joy that you can't contain it. You can't put a lid on it. It's just boiling over. That's the kind of joy this message will bring to the world. It's maybe like the joy you felt when your child were, was born. I remember when our first daughter was born, I remember thinking, I, I couldn't feel this much joy in any other way than just enjoying this life that God has given my wife and I to take care of. Then the second daughter was born, and, and there was that joy all again. And the thing about that joy that we experienced in the birth of our children was it didn't matter what was going on in our life. It didn't matter what kind of car I drove. It didn't matter what kind of house I lived in. It didn't matter how much money I made. It didn't matter who was mad at me, who was happy with me. It did not matter. Nothing was going to deny me the joy that God had brought into my life on those days. That joy had nothing to do with the circumstances around me. That joy was deep. That joy was something that just couldn't be contained. That joy is the same joy the angel talked about to these shepherds. Now these shepherds who are, who are out 
in the country, out in the countryside. They probably never went into the city. They probably lived in shabby old tents. They probably just wandered around and took care of their sheep, and that's all they did. You know, you can go to that part of the world right now, and you can, you can observe these shepherds called Bedouin shepherds. And they live the same way today they lived 2,000 years ago. Nomadic, intense, rarely if ever going into the city. And they just live out there in the countryside. The interesting thing about these shepherds, as researchers have studied them, they found out that the average, not the maximum, the average life expectancy of these shepherds is 100 years old. So everybody's going to find out what are these shepherds eating and drinking? What's their diet? What's going on? How do they, do they have the fountain of youth hidden over there somewhere that they, they found and they don't tell anybody about it? No, it's their lifestyle. After years and years of study, they found out it's the lifestyle of the Bedouin shepherd that allows them to live so long. A non-chaotic lifestyle. So why would God go to these people out in the country that live this calm lifestyle, this poor lifestyle by our standards? Why would he go to them first? Well, maybe it was because they were the only people with lives quiet enough to hear him. So it made me think, how many times in my life am I dealing with my schedule the things I've got to do, all the busyness in my life. And God's trying to speak and I don't even hear him. How many times in your life you're just, you're just so busy, so much to do, so much happening, and God's trying to speak and you don't hear him because of all of the chaos going on in our lives, especially this time of year. If Christmas is supposed to be this holiday or this celebration that carries with it this message of joy, then why do so many people feel so lonely at Christmas time? If Christmas is supposed to be the holiday that brings with it great joy, then why do, why do people all of a sudden start spending money like they have it when Christmas time comes? This Christmas, people will spend $455 billion. 70% of that will be put on credit cards, which leads to chaos in January when the January credit card hangover comes and you get the bill and you think, oh my goodness, we didn't plan our spending. Who bought that? Where did that come from? And then more chaos, more noise, and less joy in your life. So how do I find joy in the middle of this chaos? Because we, we don't live out in the desert. I mean, you got to give the Bedouin shepherds that. I mean, they live out in the desert. They got to take care of sheep all day. I mean, how stressful is that? You know, sheep don't look stressed to me. I mean, we, we got a lot more on our plates. We, we're a lot more important, aren't we? We got so much more to do. We got our big house to take care of, our new cars to buy, our jobs, our career, the ladder to go up, school to finish. We've got all of this stuff to do that they don't have to do. So, of course, we're going to have more chaos in our life, right? I see a lot of people who need joy in their life. You ever meet anybody and you think, you need some joy? 
There's some people, if I had a, a syringe and I could inject it into their veins, I would say, you need to OD on this, man. This is the one thing you need more of than anything else. You know what I'm talking about, the negative Neds and Nellies, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know some of them, and they need joy in their life. Maybe that's you, and all you seem to be able to find in life is the negative. You need joy. Who wants to be happy? Raise your hand. Who wants to be happy? All right, that was a trick question. When I was a child, I remember, I remember wanting this thing for Christmas. It was Christmas 1977. I was 10 years old. And I wanted this. Now, you younger folks, kids, are not going to know what this is, but it was a Matchbox Car City. Who remembers, guys, Matchbox? Yes, like three people in the first service. Raise your hands again. All right, I know the ages when I see that. I wanted this Matchbox Car City. I already had a collection, but, you know, if you had just the right amount of Matchbox Car Cities, you could go to your friend's house, you could lay them all out, and they flapped over and they fit together, and then you've got like a Matchbox world, you know, and it's just you can play all day pushing the little cars around. It folded up like a suitcase, had a handle on it, you could carry it all over the neighborhood. I wanted this one Matchbox Car City that had on it this, it was optional. It was an option for it. It, 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 was, it was the uh, parking garage that was like triple-decker, and you pulled your little car on there, and you pushed the button, and ee, it went up, and you pulled another one on there. And I would see that commercial and go, Mom, Dad, I would be so happy if I could get this Matchbox Car City with the optional battery-operated parking deck on it. I mean, life would be full if I could just have that. And I never got it. I never got it. I thought it would make me so happy if I could just have that. My cousin got it, and I was allowed to play with his. Big deal. I wanted my own. Some people never grow out of chasing after things to make them happy. Some people get into their teenage years, and they're still searching for just that thing to make them happy. Some people get into college and they're still searching for just that thing to make them happy. And you get out of college and you're searching maybe for just that person that you think is going to complete you and make you happy. The perfect job that's going to complete you and make you happy. Some people never grow out of chasing it. So you find yourself thinking, when I make my first million, then I'll be happy. When I make my fifth million, then I'll be happy. When I get just that right job, just that get to go on that vacation I've been wanting to go on. When I find just the right boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, just the right stuff just falls into place and, and I graduate top of my class, then I'll be happy. When I move from being a renter to a homeowner, then I'll be happy. The problem is happiness changes. Happiness for a 10-year-old is not the same as happiness for a 20-year-old and a 30-year-old. It, it, it's always changing. So if you're chasing happiness, you're chasing a moving target. It's never going to stay in the same place for very long. And once you think you've found it, the news is going to wear off and there's going to be something else. You think, oh, if I could just get to that, then I'll be happy. Happiness is easily chased and never caught. The fact is, chasing happiness will lead to just the opposite. It'll lead to unhappiness. The word happiness, if you open up your dictionary and look at the definition, it means favored by fortune, fortunate or lucky. 
comes from a little Latin word, hap, H-A-P, which simply means the luck of the draw. Which means if everything just goes my way, if it just all falls into the line that I'm hoping it will fall into, then I'll be happy. The big problem with living like that is that's not how life works. Unexpected things happen in your life. And if I could sit with you for five minutes, you could probably tell me many unexpected things that have come into your life that you never thought would happen, good and bad. Maybe you go to the doctor's office and you get a very bad report. Maybe the children you've invested years and years of nurturing and instruction in rebel. Maybe your spouse comes in and says, I'm fed up, I'm leaving. Maybe you go in and your boss says, look man, I'm going to have to let you go. And now, happiness is gone. So if I've bet the bank on achieving things and something external to make me happy, it won't happen. I want something deeper when chaos comes into my life than just happiness. And so do you. Did you ever meet anybody that you found yourself thinking, do they live in a bubble? Do they not see what's going on? They're happy all the time. I don't get it. I don't understand. No matter what goes wrong or right in their life, they seem to have this deep-rooted joy that just comes out of them. You can read about somebody like that in the Bible. His name was Paul the Apostle. And Paul found himself getting beat up and imprisoned many times for doing the right thing. And one letter he wrote to this church in a town called Philippi, he wrote this letter from prison. And you would think, writing a letter from being wrongly in prison, you'd say, man, I did the right thing. I, I, I asked God to protect me, and he still let me get here. Look at all that I've done. Look at all the things I've accomplished. And God, you're still allowing me to be in prison? Philippians 1, beginning at verse 2, says this. My God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ, give, may God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. Chained up in prison and still saying, with joy, I am praying to God. How could somebody in prison, wrongly accused, be an encourager and say, I have joy and I'm praying on your behalf with that joy. How could they do that? that when I read that, that tells me a couple of things about joy. My joy does not depend on my circumstances. Joy is independent of the circumstances in my life. No matter what's going on around me, problems will come, chaos will come, and there's no such thing as a risk-free life anyway. There's just risk associated with life. Some people go out and seek it. Some people it comes and finds. But there's just risk associated with living. And what 
many of us need to do is to get out of the shallow end of life, which is walking, running around searching for happiness, and move in to the deep end where there's conviction, where there's a place that can touch the depths of our soul, a place that happiness can never touch, but a place that joy can live. Do you know anybody like that? There's a couple of people in my life that, that I've noticed they live with joy. They, no matter what's going on, they seem happy. They, they seem like things are okay. One of my spiritual mentors who lives in Houston, Texas, he's one of those people. He, he's always an encourager. I could talk to him right after he had bypass surgery and almost died, and he encouraged me. I can talk to him after his ill, frail wife got attacked by a dog and was sent to the emergency room, cost him $80,000, and he was still an encourager to me. I can talk to him after his grandson almost died a few weeks ago in a car crash, and he was still an encourager to me. So a few days back, I'm thinking about this message, I'm thinking about joy, and immediately Earl comes to mind, and so I email him and give him an update on my life and say, by the way, I'm doing a message about joy, and when I think of joy, I think of you. And all the ways you still have joy, no matter what's going on in your life, would you care to expand on that a little bit for me? And he said this, Donnie, I try to live every day with my heart wide open. To live with total abandonment. Life is not how many breaths we take, but what takes our breath away. You can see why he's one of my mentors. I don't ever want to lose my sense of awe. I want to look at every sunrise and every sunset and every rainbow as if I'm seeing it for the first time. When my purpose on planet Earth has been fulfilled. I don't want to look back and wonder, what if, or if only. Those four words are joy robbers. They have no peace associated with them. Over 20 years ago, when I was in my early 40s, God took an x-ray of my soul and put it up on a screen and let me take a look at it. It was not a pretty picture. So from that time until now, I know what I'm like when no one's looking. Since that time, I started to love the me that God sees the one who knows everything I've done and everything I'll ever do, and to know that he's still head over heels in love with me brings me joy. So with all of that insight, that freed me up to be me. I don't have to pretend ever again to be someone I'm not, and that brings me joy, and it will bring you joy. Joy is independent of anything that's going on around me. Whether I'm experiencing times of happiness or sadness in my life, I can still have joy because it comes from something much deeper than just getting something I want. Another thing this tells me about joy is that joy is a process. It's not something you can go buy and have, something you can go just get and have or go visit. Joy is a process it's not a destination. In Matthew 13, Jesus was trying to communicate to people what the kingdom of heaven was like. And he told this story. Verse 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. 
And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. This guy was searching for something. It says when he found this treasure, which if you find something, you're probably looking for something. So he was looking for something deeper in his life, and he found out the source of this joy. And he ended up thinking, whatever I've got to let go of, whatever I've got to get rid of, if it costs me every material thing I have, I'm going to experience this joy. And his life was changed and turned upside down because he experienced the joy that the angels talked about when they visited those nomadic shepherds out in the country and said, this is a message of great joy for all people. This message of joy tells me there's something I can connect to to bring me hope and comfort no matter what happens. No matter what happens relationally or physically in my life, there's something deeper in the depths of my soul I can connect to than just saying I want to be happy. There's something down there that God wants to give every person, and that's joy. Because when the new wears off and the toys aren't fun anymore and the health starts to go and you get burned by somebody, you've got to have something more and something deeper in your life. That's why the message of Christ carries with it so much joy, this joy that you can't contain, this joy that you can't dictate by circumstances. It's a joy that's only found while trying to walk deeply through life. And even if you feel like you're all alone and the world's forgotten you, even if you feel like you're alone in the desert, these words that were spoken by the angels are just as much for us today as they were for them then. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. May you experience that joy in spite of your circumstances and in the middle of the chaos in your life. God, thank you so much for this message of joy that you want every person in the world to experience. Father, I pray that for the people here who are feeling their lives are completely out of control and there's so much chaos and they don't know where to turn, I pray that they could reread this story in Luke chapter 2 and feel renewed again by this message of joy that touches us in the depths of our soul. Father, may we all experience that joy. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as we continue in worship, um, every week at LifePoint we bring what is, um, what is God's that he has entrusted us with. We bring offerings and tithes. And if you're new to us this morning or haven't come prepared to give, that's okay. But if you come prepared to give, um, give with joy this morning, knowing that God loves a cheerful giver. Um, ushers, would you come as I pray for the offering this morning? Lord, thank you so much for the joy that only you can give. And Lord, no matter where we are in the process of attaining more of the joy that you offer, I just pray this week, Lord, each of us would take a step toward you, toward that joy, toward discovering um, what we, what our part is, um, 
and trusting you and finding faith in you in order to receive that joy. I thank you for giving us the things you've given us, and now we give back to you to say thank you in your name. Amen. While the buckets are being passed, we're going to watch a video that will um, promote our offering next week. We have a special offering we take once a year that um, goes specifically toward different um, local, global, and uh, ministries. And sometimes that local means here at LifePoint. But this year we're going to do something different, and it will explain it in the video as well. But 100, 100% of what we give this year in the special offering will go to local mission work and to global mission work. Some of that mission work you can actually not only give to be a part of, but you as a person, your hands, your feet, you can go and have an opportunity to go and be Christ to someone around the world. And the video will help explain how that can happen. It was about 1996 I, when I was still in private practice. I started seeing Belarusian children as part of the, actually a children in Chernobyl was the first uh, Belarusian child that I treated in my practice. And the next summer I think I saw eight or ten and, and one day a parent came in and said, John, I think you would, uh, you would like to go to Belarus. I think you'd like that experience and treat the children. Next thing we knew, we went to Belarus. That was my first mission trip. And I can't tell you, I understand what happened to me on that trip, but, but something happened. out you're willing to travel and do mission trips people start asking you so the next thing I knew I was in Africa and then Mexico and it just started to be something that not only I was doing but I was really liking to do I've seen people's lives transformed I've seen medical miracles take place I've seen the effects of the worst of humanity on other people but I see more joy in those people's lives that have, by our standards, nothing than we can see in North Raleigh. Well, you just can't not come back from some of these trips without feeling so much better than you did before you went that, uh, you know, you, you can't wait to sign up for the next trip. I was gifted with an education and I was gifted with some skills. And I guess maybe to, if we can use the word perfect or, or make better those skills in North Raleigh. But there's no question in my mind, it was not about North Raleigh. It was really about what I can do in other parts of the world. Um, I've learned that I can not just survive in third world environments, but I can thrive 
you know, and that not having hot water is not the end of the world. And eating rice and noodles is a whole lot different than eating noodles and rice because that's sometimes all you eat. Um, and that God can sustain you in ways that you never even consider asking to. You find yourself in a situation and you say, oh, no, you guys this. Yeah, trust me. So be in prayer this week as what God would have you to give, and um, we would love to blow the doors off of last year's offering, which was a very significant amount, um, and, and have all of that go to others. Um, so, so be praying about what God would have you to give, and come next week ready and, and joyful and, and excited to give. Why don't you stand, and uh, we'll sing our way out this morning.